and welcome to How to Deal When the Shit Gets Real podcast. I'm Rietta. And I'm Connie. And today we are interviewing Jason Apollo. Welcome. And please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, Connie. Hey, Rietta. My name is Jason. Uh, I am a bartender and artist from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, some of my interests are music, performance, drag, painting, fitness and nutrition. And I'm also a recovering alcoholic. Wow. You have a long list of things, like most people that come on here. <laughs> long list of issues and interests, right? <laughs> that was an awesome list, though. I love how you threw it all in there. Drag, everything, like just a bunch of fun stuff. Absolutely. I thought it was a, a, a good summary of my day-to-day life. How did you get into drag? Drag, I, well, I, I would draw and paint throughout high school and I got into makeup a little bit. And then I always wanted to uh, sing and perform on stage, but I was too shy when I was like between the ages of 19 and 21. And I got a lot of friends who were drag queens in that time when I had a fake ID and I was going to the gay bars. And one of them just kind of cornered me one night and he was like, look, I know you do makeup. I know you want to be on stage. You need to do something. I need a performer for my birthday show. Get your shit together. Put a couple numbers and do this for me. I was like, fuck it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have to sing because I was too shy. I was like, but I want to, you know, perform and do something creative. So I got some clothes and some wigs and I did my best makeup and I went on stage and I got to it and it was really, really fun. And I kept doing it for like two years while I brave enough to start performing like as myself instead of my drag alter ego and start singing on stage in front of people. I love that story. That's a great story. And he's amazing at makeup. No joke. Um, Teach us all your tricks. Not anymore. (laughs) I haven't really played around with makeup in quite a long time. I I briefly tried to get back into it during the quarantine. I'm like, I'm going to try to do a face. And it was like a disaster, but the makeup I had was really old. So that was including yeah. it wasn't the best face I've ever done in my life, but I'm a little more into being like kind of all natural these days, you know, no I makeup. Feel like everybody has been going towards that though, or at least more natural looking, yeah. even if it's a ton of makeup on, it could yeah, still used- look really natural. Yeah, for sure. I used to be like crazy hair, crazy outfits, makeup tons of jewelry like all day every day and then like lately it's just kind of like what can I do just to look good that I can do really really quickly so they don't have to fuss with a bunch of bullshit and just be comfortable so the inside of my heart like the inside of me wants to like do crazy shit like appearance wise and then I wake up and I'm lazy and I'm just like no throw your hair in a bun it's fine that's me you just described me a little bit lately oh well (laughs) then twinsies (laughs) I don't have enough hair to put in a bun, but like it's short, so it doesn't take that much to. I can throw a night hat on. That's kind of my bun for right now. Well, there you go. No, I'm the same way. It's it's like very basic makeup, but I never used to be able to do that. You know, you always worried about like what other people would think. Like, oh, your face is broken out, and now I'm just like, fuck it, don't care. I feel like there's a stigma with women like wearing too much makeup. Oh, you're that girl. You know, she likes to pick up guys at the bar and take them home or, you know, she's, I don't know. Promiscuous. Trashy. She's trashy. She wears too much makeup. So there's always something, right? So what started your love of singing? Were you really, did it start when you were a kid, when you were little? Yeah, for sure. I just remember like, I have a musical family. My dad did a lot of like garage bands when he was a kid and he played guitar 
and sang a little bit. So I kind of grew up with a huge guitar amplifier in our dining room and lots of CDs and records playing all the time. And so me and my sister would just be like kind of jumping around, listening to music and singing along. There was just always a love for performance and music, but I kind of lost that due to like my home life and just kind of everything. I'm, I'm actually kind of like an introverted person and uh, with everything that was going on at home and then just kind of how things were at school, I started to retreat within myself. And that's when my like drawing and painting kind of came out and the performance side kind of went away. And then I think my sister kind of, she discovered me um, singing. I was like a closet singer. I would sing at home when I got off of school uh, by myself when no one was off work or home from school yet. And she discovered me. She's like, oh, you have a good voice. She's like, join choir. So then it kind of rebuilt from there. And I started getting, you know, more confidence back with it. But it's kind of a been down process. But what I like to call an, an introverted extrovert. You're kind of in between. Yeah, for sure. You're Very both. Nice. You can have those days where it's like, nope, all by myself. Yeah. And then the next day you're like, party. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Gemini. I'm very polar opposites. Like I can be one thing one day, one thing another. And like, if you look at my Zodiac chart, I mean, my rising sign's Leo and then my moon sign is Cancer, which are just like completely opposite signs right there. So it's just, I'm, I'm very, I'm very just all over the place all the time, but I kind of love that about myself. I was going to say that makes it more fun. You're like, you're not expecting the same thing every day. Best of both worlds, if you will. Mm-hmm. Never a dull moment. So when did you realize or had that aha moment that you needed to change your uh, drinking habits or like, how did that even start? I know those are really two big questions, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was definitely like an oh shit moment where like I knew I was in trouble, but there were also lots of little red flags along the way. Like there were a few times where I would ask myself like, do I have to drink tonight? Legitimately, can I like choose not to have this drink or do I have to drink tonight? And it was kind of like, oh, I would just like rationalize and be like, no, you're just choosing to drink, even though it's the sixth night of the week that you're drinking. Mm -hmm. And then the definitive like, oh, I'm really in trouble was I had just gone through a breakup and it was pretty dramatic. And the way I would uh, address breakups before was I would go out. You know, I would try to run away from those emotions. I didn't want to feel anything. I would go out, get hammered and try to meet people or do things just to get my mind off of it and, you know, go home blacked out and pass out so that I'd be able to sleep and, you know, do it again the next day. And I was doing that, but on a completely different level than I had ever done before. With that boyfriend, we would drink every night together but always just at night. It wasn't like an all day thing, but when me and him broke up, it became an all day, every day thing. And for like two months, I did nothing but drink all day, every day. It didn't matter if I had work. It didn't matter if I was off. Like it was an all day, every day thing. And there was a day where I decided I wanted to stop. I was like, you know, I'm not going to drink today. I think today is the day I'm not going to drink today. And that was the first day that I experienced alcohol withdrawal. And it was absolutely the scariest, like one of the scariest things that I've ever experienced in my life, because I had no idea what was going on. But at the same time, I knew exactly what was going on. 
you just didn't want to think that it was alcohol yeah. withdrawal. You're like, it couldn't be right. an alcoholic because you're in that kind of denial state. I was totally in denial. I didn't want to believe it. I was like thinking, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. I didn't want to be like him. And if I accepted that I was going through alcohol withdrawal, then that would mean I'm an alcoholic. But at the same time, I was at work in a, 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 at happy hours. So I was super, super busy. And I was the only bartender. And I was shaking. I couldn't see. Um, oh, my God. I was having like a full-on panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I was really hot. Like I thought I was going to die. It was it was terrifying. But, oh, yeah. Especially at work. Not yeah. the right place to be going through withdrawal. Yeah. And not only just at work, but around a bunch of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't even like, I'm like trying to set down wine glasses for people and I'm like shaking, like almost busting the stem on the bars. I'm like setting it down. It was just, it was a mess. But I think that was like the first real, oh shit, fuck, I'm really in trouble here. And I ended up going to the ER that night because I was just like, it wouldn't stop. And I actually stopped it because I I drank because I was like, if this is withdrawal, it'll stop if I drink. And I did. And it did stop. And then I went to the ER and the ER doctor actually told me I was not going through withdrawal. What? He just said I was having a panic attack. He said, this is not withdrawal. He said it would be so much worse if it was. I mean, he was wrong, but there are varying levels of withdrawal, unfortunately. And I was just kind of going through one of, as, as horrifying as it sounds, I was definitely going through like a weaker form of it because it it does get to the point where you can have seizures and you can hallucinate and see things that are not there. Like it can get pretty bad, but I was definitely going through like a mild uh, form of it. Yeah. And it just didn't feel mild to you, which is valid. Because he told me though, that I wasn't going through withdrawal. Like that's all I needed to hear. So I was like, I just need a week off from drinking. And then I got back to it. And then I had another, oh shit moment of a year later after I moved to San Diego and I got into that 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 cycle again of binging and then I couldn't stop and then I got fired for my job and then it was like oh fuck and here we go again and it was just like a cycle and then I moved back to Chicago and I was sober for a bit just doing it on my own no treatment no no rehab no meetings nothing like that and I stuck it out for like two months and then I got to a point where I started drinking again and then I felt like I was in control but you're not. Well, I, I felt like I was at first, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it just progresses. So yeah. slippery slope kind of thing. Within mm-hmm. two months, I was drinking every day again, all day, got fired from my job. And then at that point, I kind of felt like, oh my God, am I ever going to stop? Like, is this just my life now? And I didn't want to put anybody through any of the things that my dad put me, that my dad put our family and everything through. So I was like thinking about killing myself death is like the scariest thing to me. Like I've always had this weird, like anxiety, fascination, um, obsession with death, even as a kid. And so when that like real feeling of like really wanting to kill myself, like I was really thinking about how I was going to do it, it scared the shit out of me. So I decided, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, the least I can do for myself and for everybody is just to ask for help, something that I had never done before. So I called my brother And I told him, you know, I was crying and I was just like, I just don't know what to do. I need help. And, you know, he gave me some advice and I followed it and I've been on an up and down, but pretty steady road of recovery ever since then. That was like 
a little over two years ago. Well, thank so. God for your brother. Yeah. yeah. So do you mind us asking, uh, what advice did he give you? He told me to get treatment. He told me to go to meetings. He told me to meet a community of people that were like me. Just stop doing it on my own because it yeah. wasn't something that I could do on my own. You know, a person with cancer can't cure their own cancer. They need like some form of treatment, whether it's herbal, medical, whatever, you know, you got to treat your illness. That's what I did. I started That's going- That's at least good advice. Well, yeah. Clearly, like, clearly it's working. <laughs> and it was like totally eye-opening. It was like, wow, you know, a community of people that are just like me. And I would hear the yeah. story like- wow, I did that. I did those things. Like, wow, I felt like I couldn't stop. Wow. I felt like my life was over and that like, nothing was ever going to, nothing was ever going to be good again. Mm -hmm. Was your fitness journey born out of your recovery or was that something you were always passionate about? So I would say that I've never taken fitness seriously. I was always kind of a casual like gym member for several years. I mean, I think that was just because I was getting older and I wanted to look good. I think when I was like a teenager going into my early twenties, I felt like I was too skinny and I wanted to kind of bulk up a little bit so that I would be like more attractive and more, you know, uh, desirable to the other men in the gay community. And I actually got discouraged when I was like 22, I worked with this personal trainer and he basically told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, he asked me what my goals were and I told him I just kind of wanted to stay fit. And he's like, do you want to like build muscle? And I was like, you know, it's not like, I don't know if I can, it's not really something that's like, I need to, I was like, I just want to be fit. And he pretty much told me like, good, because I think it would be nearly impossible for you to gain muscle. Wow. Like, like talk me down. I was just like, is that, it, it, it seemed like normal to me at the time. So I was like, oh, this is his job. Like he's, he's giving me the real shit here, but Looking back on it now, I was like, wow, he kind of tainted my brain as far as fitness goes. And I would say so. That's not a good trainer. Yeah. And so I just kind of like put on the back burner that I was ever going to be anything more than skinny. So kind of in my mid to late 20s, I started like gaining weight from drinking beer. So I was like, I need to work out. So I would like casually go to the gym just to stay in shape. But it definitely wasn't something that I think I was equipped to handle seriously because fitness is such a... It's such a commitment if you really want to do it right. And you have to get your diet down. You have to make sure mm -hmm. that you're with your workouts. Like it's just such a commitment. And I think the ability to fulfill that commitment definitely was born out of recovery because I just didn't have the mindset before I learned all of the things that I learned through recovery, all of the spiritual, emotional, mental things that I learned and developed and now I'm able to like stick with something. And I think fitness was really my, aside from staying sober, fitness was like my experiment to see if I could actually like take something seriously and stick with it. And I started in like December and it's been so fantastic. I love it. Going to the gym used to be like work to me. And now it's like one of my favorite things to do. I look forward to it after my weekend. Cause I usually go Monday through Friday. And it's just, it's fantastic. Nutrition and eating enough food is still kind of a challenge, but it gets easier. I mean, and what a great time to find the gym aside from like your recovery, like with the pandemic and everything. I mean, what a time to just be like, okay, you know, I'm going to take care of me. This matters. 
some people did the opposite. Like they started like drinking more and smoking Mm -hmm. more weed and eating more and not taking care of themselves like during the pandemic. And I have a couple of friends who definitely did that. (laughs) Like I was like, I want to come out of this looking better and feeling better than I ever have before. So that's a great outlook to have. And it it has, it's hard to keep that during this crazy time. And that's, I mean, it just shows how strong you are as a person, not only in like your recovery, but just as you, as far as you've come definitely wasn't within me before because like before I would start things and I would you know they would get difficult they would get hard and I would find a way to either make it easier or just give up entirely recovery has definitely changed me for the better in so many ways even if I had not killed myself and can was somehow able to stay sober by myself I would not be the person that I am today like not at all yeah because it's totally those are two totally different things you know going into group and stuff versus just like fighting it out yourself Mm -hmm. fighting out yourself you feel alone and talking a group you feel more connected with the community like you said previously yeah oh and addiction is so much more than just not being able to stop drinking or stop eating Mm -hmm. i mean Almost everybody that I've met in recovery, they use because they are running away from something. They're self-medicating in some way. And if you just quit cold turkey and you don't work on those things, there's always going to be something within you like that wants to escape them. Oh, yeah. Or you could just have like a really bad day and those like bad feelings that you're trying to run away from come back and then you're back to it. And that's I've seen that happen a lot. I've heard stories about that a lot. And it happened to me, to be honest, like my, my, my recovery hasn't been no drinking ever since I started it. I've relapsed a few times because I ran into situations and emotions that I wasn't ready to deal with yet. And they like break you down. And for whatever reason, like some people drink because they think like, oh, like this is uncomfortable, but like I can drink again. Like I can be fine again. Like I can do what a normal, like a normie does. That's what we call them normal <laughs> and uh that's how they kind of restart their thing I, my relapses were kind of like self-sabotage self-mutilating kind of fueled like I was like almost punishing myself for getting back in these emotional like cycles that I was trying to get away from we're so but, hot on ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely but I have not drank or used any sort of drug or substance that wasn't prescribed by a doctor in just over a year. So that's amazing. Good for you. Doing pretty well right now, which I'm super, super grateful for. So grateful. You can tell you've got a glow about you that, that really shows. Thank you. And I mean, I've, I've heard that before, like even people that I go to meetings with, like they'll, they'll be like, we saw you a year ago. Like you are a completely different person than that, than that point. And like, I don't see it per se. I am starting to feel it though, because recovery is really, really hard. And you learn, you're basically a baby, like a child, at least I was. Like, I didn't know who I was genuinely. I didn't know how to be the person that I actually am because I always had like this blanket of alcohol or substance over me. Like, alcohol when you're drunk or when you're high you can kind of be whoever you want to be because you have like no inhibitions and 
all of those fears and all of those things like insecurities that kind of go away for a bit. And then when you don't have that crutch anymore, you get into social situations, at least I did. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And when I would talk, I would feel like what I was saying was stupid, that nobody felt that I was interesting. It was, it was really hard. I had to completely refigure out who I was, like rediscover who I am. And it's taken a long time and it's taken a lot of work, but like, I finally feel like I'm getting to that point. And I did also get to a point because that portion of it was so difficult that I didn't think that I was ever going to sing again. I didn't think I was ever going to go on stage again. Cause I just kind of felt like, oh, this is the person that I am. I'm kind of dull and I'm kind of like reserved and no confidence. Like this is just who I am now. But it's really been just having to rediscover that and figure out how to be that person again. And I finally feel like I'm not completely there, but I'm definitely a lot further along than I was before. Like the idea of being a musician and being on stage again is like super possible to me now. And it's definitely something that I want to pursue eventually. Good. It should be because when you love something, you shouldn't let that go by the wayside. Absolutely. Music is a huge passion for me. Like I feel the most like myself when I'm on stage. And it's such like a cliche thing for an artist to mm -hmm. say, but like it's, it's, it's also something that I honestly don't know how to describe, but there's just something like you put a mic in my hand and put me on stage with like a spotlight. There's just something that happens to me and I just feel like I'm home. Like it just feels very like natural to me. That's awesome. So speaking of hard and difficult things, I mean, that end part was not about that, but we're going backward. So what is it like being a bartender, but also abstaining from alcohol? So actually, it's not as difficult as it sounds like it would be, at least for me. You know, I can only speak from my experience. I've definitely heard from people that uh, were in recovery who were in like the service industry and were bartenders or servers or something. They had to like either get out of it or they had to completely restructure how they went about their professional lives. Um, but for me, it's been fine. I was able to kind of recognize my drinking triggers right away and mm -hmm. see people drink and being around alcohol isn't one of my triggers. I never really drank because I would see someone drinking and be like, oh, that looks so good. I need that. Or, you know, I really, mm -hmm. I really want a shot or I really need that right now. It's just never been an issue for me. Even when I've come back from a relapse, um, it hasn't really been difficult at all. I mean, I, my last relapse or not my last one, but uh, a couple of relapses ago, I actually went on a wine trip with my, uh, with my job and we went to some wine tastings in Michigan and it was fine. I wasn't bothered by it at all. And people think that's really strange. How do you have a wine tasting, but not drink any of it? You just like smell it? I do actually taste. Um, I do taste. Oh, things. and then you spit it out or whatever? You spit it out or it's just such a small amount that like, it's not going to do anything to me. And there's a lot of people that can't do that. I, I feel grateful that I can do that. Like it doesn't like send me into a spiral. I'm like, oh, yeah. I need a yeah, you're um, not grabbing the bottle of wine and downing the whole right. thing after you take a taste. Because <laughs> it was definitely like the wine tasting trip was definitely like a, a work thing. So yeah. there wasn't like, I need to drink this whole glass. Like it was just kind of like tasting it and like 
taking notes and, and, you know, learning about this product that I'm supposed to be selling. I was going to say you're tasting it. So you can actually tell somebody like, Hey, what does this wine taste like? And you can actually be like, Oh, well, this has some peach flavors in it or whatever. Exactly. So it hasn't been as challenging as, as it sounds. Um, it's just, it's my job. I think the most challenging thing in sobriety is putting up with people without the ability to get drunk. I think <laughs> Ain't that, that the truth? <laughs> that is absolutely the hardest part. I yeah, that's how that. I survived Hawaii with Rietta is it was a ton of drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that would be hard because it's like babysitting yes. toddlers. It always reminds me of that, like how I met your mother episode when like Lily and Marshall are trying to have a baby and Lily gets really drunk and shows up and he's like, I can't take care of drunk baby Lily. Like. <laughs> That is how I feel when Tom gets super wasted and I'm like pretty sober. I'm like, seriously, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> when you were in Hawaii, you had a lot of pina coladas. No, my ties, but it's still, you have my ties. My ties are the you got Hawaiian that, drink of choice. You got I that fresh pineapple. Like my tie, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, when I come home next, I'm coming to your bar and getting a mai tai. Make a fantastic mai tai. Dangerous mai tai, by the way. Mm. Oh, perfect. The, yeah, I'm also the kind of sober person that like because I can't drink, like I'm gonna drink. <laughs> and I'm gonna make You're like, here, let me make you fabulous cocktails. I let do. me make let me make you super wasted. Hold on. I do. I love it. But that I'm just like, means you're good at your job though, which you're supposed yeah. you know, you're a bartender. That means you're supposed to be good at it. Just means good tips at the end of the day. Also that. Yeah. I am good at my job, I will say that. I'm horn a lot, but not every, and not everybody can say that and you should be proud to say that because it's your job and you love it and you do it and you should be so I know in your pre-interview we kind of talked about um you dealt with your skin issues too and that was something you were really passionate about and wanted to share so oh, why don't you kind of give us some of your skin journey what happened your any tips you might have for our listeners tell me everything my skin <laughs> sucks <laughs> no oh yeah well I can't the see sunlight the sunlight it hides it a lot <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's why I'm in the sunlight. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. I had a friend of mine get told me to get a ring light because it would like wash out all my acne. So exactly, that's what I need. There's truth to that. So I have always like had like really really oily skin like my entire life, like just really really oily skin, and like even my hair. I could take a shower at night, and I would wake up the next day, and my hair would just be like matted down with oil. Like I couldn't be one of those people that could just like only wash their hair a couple times a week you know I had to wash my hair every day because I just was so oily but I never really had like an acne problem so I never really had to like take action or anything it wasn't until I moved to San Diego where I first had an issue with my skin like I started breaking out really really bad when I got out there I couldn't figure out what it was right away I started googling it and I found out that the water in San Diego can actually be really bad for you if you have sensitive skin so I kind of figured it was that I got connected with this company called Curology through Instagram. And it was oh, basically yeah. pharmaceutical skincare that you can just order online. And it did help me. It really did. It kind of kept some of that like deep cystic acne that I was experiencing in San Diego at Bay. But uh, as I mentioned before, I moved back to Chicago and then my skin was fine. Like as soon as I got back to this environment, no more acne, skin was super clear. I didn't have an issue. But March of last year you know, good old 2020, my skin <laughs> started to, you know, break out. And it started with just a couple of pimples here and there, nothing major. But by the, 
beginning of summer, my skin was just like deep cystic acne all along my chin. And it was unsightly. It was painful. I hated it. And I just was like, I need to do something to get this figured out. And I got with a friend who worked in skincare and he was like, I'm going to hook you up. He's like, let's get you this, this, and this spent like hundreds of dollars on all of these products, you know, that were, you know, awesome, like supposedly great for your skin. And I mean, my skin looked good. That didn't have acne on it, but my acne was still coming like full force. Like nothing could stop it. I kept doing that for like several months. I kept trying to do these over the counter things. The curology wasn't working enough. I didn't know what to do. And then my friend in recovery, she was like, why don't you just go to a dermatologist? (laughs) Fine. I don't have insurance. And she's like, well, why don't you just see how much it costs? She's like, you might not have to go that many times and you might get it figured out. And I went to a dermatologist because it was a little, it was like 120 bucks for the first appointment uh, out of pocket and then 75 after that. So, I mean, it wasn't horrible. That's pretty standard. Yeah. And I mean, I was getting to a point where I was like willing to spend the money and dermatologist was like, oh, this is easy. He's prescribing tretinoin, uh, which is a topical retinoid. It's a lot stronger than like the retinol that you can get in the stores Um, and antibiotics. And he was like, this should work. He's like, if it doesn't, we'll go with next steps there. And it worked a little bit, but not enough. I was still experiencing some cystic acne that was painful and unsightly. Mm -hmm. And he brought up Accutane. And he was like, before you say anything, he's like, and I don't want you going on Reddit and looking at any like crazy, any uh, crazy forums or anything like that. He's like, try to do your research, try to talk to people that have actually taken the drug. He's like, I really think that this will work for you. And so I took his advice. I came home. I posted on Facebook. Hey, do I know anybody that's taken Accutane? If so, DM me. I want to talk to you. And they all kind of had the same story. They're like, yes, it's an intense drug. It's going to dry you out. You're going to have chapped lips. You're probably going to be in pain several days a week. um, But your skin's going to clear up. And a couple of them had to go one course of treatment. And then their acne came back after a year. And they had to go on a second course. But then after that, they've been completely clear. I am about to finish my first course. So I've also been on it since December. And that's kind of where the fitness also came in. I was kind of going through this self Time to take care of you. Take, my, take care of my skin. I also have been going to a dentist. Got to fix these teeth. I'm going to get this body right. Like I'm doing all these different things. So I just decided to take on all this. The Accutane, like, first of all, it worked right away for me. I thought something was wrong. I thought I was like, I was like, this is just like a fluke. Like my, my acne is going to come back in no time because the Accutane is not supposed to work right away. Usually it takes three months for you to clear up because usually you get a lot worse at the beginning and then you clear up after a few months. But within the first month, I was completely clear and I was just like amazed and, but it does kind of suck muscle and joint pain, which also was really, really difficult when it came to like working out dry skin. Like my lips are always chapped. Um, sometimes I'm like really itchy, even if I put on like lots of moisturizer, but I was so depressed over my skin that like, I've been so happy ever since I woke up and my skin was clear. Like it's totally worth it for me at least. And 
you know, like I said, I don't have insurance, but I was able to pay for my medication because people don't realize that a lot of drug manufacturers actually have assistance programs for people that are uninsured and don't make a lot of money like me. And so I've been also been getting all my medication absolutely for free. So as far as skincare goes, depending on the severity of your problem, mine was getting pretty bad. Started off like along my chin, but by the time I was getting put on acne, it was on Accutane, it was all over my face. I was starting to get it on my body. I would get it in my groin area. Like it was just really getting, starting to get really, really bad. Um, and I know some people don't want to take that step of going to the extreme of taking Accutane, but I really think that my skin needed it. I think that my skin was destined to be problematic from the very beginning with all this oil production. And I think that my skin just needed that that reset, which is what Accutane has done for me. And it's, I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't trade this experience for anything just because so it's, worked, it's worked so well for me. So the side um, effects were, were worth the gain. Yeah. And I mean, they're not for everybody. Like, again, I can only speak from my experience. One of my friends did say uh, she has clinical depression and Accutane can make your clinical depression or anxiety worse. Mm. Um, they don't have a lot of data that would say that the Accutane has caused that because it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. But there have been people reporting that they with people with clinical depression saying that their symptoms got much worse being on Accutane. And she did not want to take a second course because of that. She said it worked for her, but she just didn't want to go through having severe yeah. depression for six months because the minimum treatment for Accutane, I believe is like five or six months. Yeah. I don't blame her. I mean, depression's not something to mess around with. Definitely not, but I do not have clinical depression. Um, I do not have clinical anxiety or anything like that. So I did not have any emotional or mental flare-ups or side effects whatsoever. It was just the joint pain. That was the big thing. Yep. Yeah. That would not be, that would not be a fun thing, but I mean, Look at the confidence you ended up gaining from it. So, I mean, take the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. I really needed it because, like, I don't know. I mean, even just, like, the appearance of the acne was was awful, but, like, it was just so painful. Like, deep cystic acne. Like, my face was just oozing all the time. Like, it was just it was horrible. I had no confidence. I was... I was when I had I became one of those people that never did anything. Anytime I would make plans with someone, the day of I would always cancel because I just like was like I can't leave the house looking like this. I just can't. I I, I, I had to do the extreme, and I'm totally okay with it, and it worked for me. I mean, having a painful face is I wouldn't want to have a painful face. Uh, I probably I probably would do the same thing. Like if I had what you had, I'd probably be like, mm -hmm, sign me up. I'll take the painful joints for the six months to get my face not to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and mine isn't painful. It's just, I randomly get like red bumps and it's annoying. It never gets like that overwhelming or like that painful. It's always like, Oh, great. There's like this huge pimple today, I guess. Cool. Do you, put, do, you do anything for your skin? Like, do you have like a skincare regimen? Like I like just now have started getting into the skincare regimen and it was, it works if I do it, two times a day but if I like miss once say I wake up in the morning I work out and I forget to wash my face or just wake up in the morning and forget to wash my face yeah no it doesn't like that 
It does not like if I miss or if I completely miss a day, it doesn't like it at all. It's like revenge of the pimples. I think like whatever you're doing is like maybe keeping it at bay, but then it's like when you don't, the one day you don't do something, it's like, oh, it's coming back. Yep. Uh, If you're unhappy with it, like maybe, I don't know, go to a dermatologist. And the thing is, is that when I do do it two times a day, like, oh man, I can see it like clear up like that super quickly when I, we first got to Hawaii for whatever reason my skin was breaking out and I think it cleared up within a day or two and I was like okay cool because I was doing the regimen twice a day and I skipped because of the flights yeah just well, at least the you, flights down yeah at least you have it figured out my husband goes back and forth and I think part of his issue is being in the military he has to shave every day so he's constantly shaving at his face so he goes in like these like right now he's great no breakouts but then all of a sudden his whole face is just mm-hmm. like angry and we lived in california for a while too so for the longest time i was like it's got to be this hard water it's got to be this hard water because it's not good for your skin and we do have hard water here too so it's always something i'm gonna have to tell him be like okay you might need to go just talk to somebody figure it out see what their options are so you're not constantly in this like up and down battle of like, I'm good. I'm not good. I'm good. I'm not good. I wrote down Accutane because I have, I have never heard of it before until you talked about it. Cause I've never, I've been pretty blessed. I have pretty good skin. So I've never even heard of it. So I wrote it down so I can not read the crazy forums, but read the regular stuff about it. Yeah. Well, Accutane has been around for a long time, but there was this period where um, this people were like talking about the side effects and like just bashing the drug for the longest time. Um, I think I remember hearing it on like some sort of like a, like a show like Teen Mom or something when I was a teenager. It wasn't Teen <laughs> Mom. Teen Mom wasn't around when I was a teenager, but it was a kind of a, a weird like reality show like that. And they were talking about skincare and Accutane. And then I remember people talking about like, oh, it's awful. Like it has all these side effects. It's terrible. Like da, 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 da. And then, you know, it just got a really bad rep because of it, because like it does have some intense side effects, but they're definitely, um, exacerbated the rumor mill yeah no it was the same i used to have sorry for anybody out there this micro i used to have really bad toenail fungus and it was i it was the same thing i fucking hated it people made fun of me it felt gross i never wanted to go to the beach i never wanted to wear flip-flops and then i started working for a podiatrist and he was like okay we're gonna do this this and this and we're gonna help it out but the one pill that you can take for it that was it was another type of accutane thing where people were bashing it like it has horrible side effects on your liver. Like you could have long-term issues. It didn't bug me at all. Couldn't even tell the difference when I was taking it. And holy moly. Like I'm not for sure which thing worked because I did multiple things, but it's gone and it hasn't been back. I'm sure Thank you're thrilled about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so nice. <laughs> Toenail fungus does not sound like something I would be like super confident just like showing I feel up. like that's that's like a thing that comes in our family a lot because like grandma has it a couple of our aunts have gotten it my dad has it so I don't know if it came from our side of the family it very well could have they're not really sure on like the whole genetic connection on it but it was horrible and especially as a girl I feel like sometimes in guys it's a little more accepted because you know guys are I don't know rugged yeah rugged exactly it's better than saying gross (laughs) so it's a little more expected in guys and I don't know they don't necessarily care as much but like for me as a chick like when you're wearing open-toed high heel you don't want Mm -hmm. your toes to look nasty yeah you don't feel glamorous like that do you Mm -mm. I feel that and uh, actually 
bartenders are susceptible to um, something like that too. It's called bar rot. And uh-huh. usually it's from bartenders that do a lot of like uh, three sink dishwashing, mm-hmm. just like constantly getting your nails wet. And you can actually get like, I think it's fungus that grows like in your nail beds. Yeah, and you can get the same type. Yeah, it can get really bad. Yeah, so. and it gets it gets painful too. Like they literally bleed more than like a regular toenail would. Like it's just, it's not fun. We're not going to get into the grossness of it. But either way, it's not fun. Oozing faces and bleeding toenails. Yeah, super awesome. I'm sure everybody's like, well, I'm glad I tuned in today. <laughs> so Jason, one last question before you have to go. What advice would you give to our listeners? Because I like asking people that question when they come on the show. So in a, in a broad answer for, for many things, whether it's skincare, whether it's you think you have an issue with a, an addiction or, you know, should I, shouldn't I go on this date with this person? I think this is just my opinion. It's definitely something that I've experienced throughout my entire life. I always had this voice in my head. And I don't know if it was the universe or God, or if it's just my higher self, my, my, my core spiritual being talking to me, but I think that all of us have that voice. And I think that a lot of us need to listen to it more. And regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, you can believe that it's just you, or you can believe that it's God talking to you or a guardian angel or or anything like that. I think we all have that voice that we look back on after we've gone through something that we could have been like, oh, we should have listened to that. I think that that, that, so that's my advice is to listen to that voice more and to be more in tune with that higher self talking to you because I do do believe that it is talking to us for a reason. I like that. That's, That's really good advice and that's not something we've heard yet. I think that's great. And I'm definitely more in tune with that voice now. Still don't always listen to it because I'm, you know, I'm an <laughs> I'm still stubborn and I like to do my own mm-hmm. thing. But I definitely listen to it a lot more than I used to. No, um, I feel that. I have to say yeah. things are pretty good in my life. I've definitely bypassed a, a several guys in the last year with red flags that I would have, you know, made a scarf out of and worn proudly. But instead I was like, <laughs> probably don't need to date you. <laughs> Self high five. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> Good job, self. Pat myself on the shoulder. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a wonderful time talking with you. I had so much fun, and I'm really grateful that you asked me to do this. This was great. I've never done anything like this, so yeah. We're we're two crazy cousins. We're we're like fun like that. So (laughs) we like we like to have a lot of fun here. Oh yeah, love that. And I'm gonna have to come out to Hawaii to visit you. Please do. This is how to deal when shit gets real. Thank you, Jason, for joining us. We hope our listeners loved listening to this and check us out on all of our social medias and listen to the podcast every Friday. And don't forget to rate and review.